Welcome to Friends and Fiction, four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories. Novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry are four longtime friends with more than 70 published books between them. Together, they host Friends and Fiction with author interviews and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing to highlight and support independent bookstores. They discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Hi, everybody. It is Wednesday night, and that means we are right here with you for Friends and Fiction. We have an amazing evening ahead of us, so let's get started. I'm Kristen Harmel. I'm Christy Woodson Harvey. And I'm Patty Callahan Henry. And this is Friends in Fiction, four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories to support indie bookstores, authors, and librarians. Unfortunately, our fourth, Mary Kay Andrews, is not with us tonight because despite being vaxxed and boosted, she has a mild case of COVID. She'll be okay, but just a reminder to stay safe out there. It seems to be spreading like wildfire again. I know you'll all join us in wishing Mary Kay a speedy recovery. Absolutely. And she may even be tuning in tonight because we have a jam-packed episode, and I know she hated to miss it. So over the next hour, we're going to be talking with three phenomenal writing teams, all of whom have had such different backgrounds and are are at very different places in their careers. First up, we'll have Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekinen. Then we'll be chatting with Allison Hammer and Brady Godfrey, who write together as Allie Brady. And then finally, we'll welcome back someone you might be familiar with, um, Mary Alice Monroe and her writing partner, Angela May. But first, even though Mary Kay isn't with us, she's always with us, but even though she's not on the screen, we want to raise a glass to her because y'all, she just hit her fifth week on the New York Times bestseller list with the home records. This is such a huge deal and it means that you all have kept supporting her. So on her behalf, huge thanks to all of you. And speaking of the Homewreckers, just a quick reminder to join us over on the really cool new social platform, Fable, which is a book club app for social reading, where we have our very own friends and fiction behind the book book club. And this month we're reading the Homewreckers together. And if you join, it means you have all these exclusive access things like behind the scenes stories playlists, secrets, and so much more, plus discussion prompts and interaction with Mary Kay herself. You can share your reactions, thoughts, and favorite quotes with us and fellow readers as you read. And you can gain access to special resources you will not find anywhere else, even right here. So it's just $5 a month to join our premium club, or you can purchase an annual premium all-access membership for $70 a year to join all of the other premium clubs on Fable, including LeVar Burton's book club. So visit fable.co, there's no M, friends and fiction, backslash friends and fiction, spelling out the word and to sign up today. Okay, can you guys hear me? I was having some microphone problems. You hear me? Oh, you sound great. Okay, okay, fantastic. Yeah, I've just had a crazy night. My 
uh, power went off. All right, I'm back. All right. How about even more interaction with us when you can actually hear me because I won't be having mic problems. <laughs> yes. Yes, you say. Well, this summer you will have two more chances to meet the Friends in Fiction Four in person at a ticketed evening event at Bethany Beach Books in Delaware on Wednesday, July 20th, and also at a fabulous luncheon on Thursday, July 21st at the Rehoboth Beach Country Club in Delaware, hosted by independent bookstore Browse About Books. You can find out more under the featured tab on our Facebook page or by visiting browseaboutbooks.com or bethanybeachbooks.com. Both beach towns are just gorgeous, so it's a great excuse for a summer vacation too. We do wanna remind you though, make sure to buy your tickets in advance if you think you can come because we expect both events to sell out. And we really, really, really wanna get the chance to hang out with you, so we hope we will see you there. Mm, I can't wait, it's so soon. Yeah. And don't forget, as you know, if you're a Friends of Fiction watcher, we continue to encourage you to support your indie booksellers when and where you can. And one way to do that is to visit our own friendsandfictionbookshop.org page where you can find Greer and Sarah's books, Allison and Brady's books, and Mary Alice and Angela's books, plus books by the four of us and our past guests all at a discount. And this not only supports independent bookstores, but it also helps us keep Friends and Fiction up and running. So before we get going with our amazing episode tonight about writing teams, Christy had this great idea last week of a starting and ask us anything segment. And you all have so many awesome questions for us. And sometimes we get so busy talking about business and our guests that we miss talking to each other and y'all and answering the things you would like to have us do. So leave your questions on the Facebook page and we might ask it in a future show. But tonight's question comes from Angie Chenery. I'm sure that's Chenery. <laughs> and I think it's a perfect one because all of the four of us don't officially collaborate on books like our writing partners tonight. We're very much a team. So Angie asked and would love to know, you all talk about your writing sprints, but how much do you guys edit read or inspire each other's stories are you each other's beta readers so question. real quick christy that's such a good question um so i think we all have different answers to this question too which i think is really interesting i have not had any of the ladies beta read for me yet um you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> I have kind of, we, I think we all have really different processes. I am very much like I write like kind of a, just a first draft and then it goes straight to my editor. Um, like before I've even really like cleaned it up much. So, um, I think they've all written me blurbs like at very early times. And actually in the wedding veil, um, Patty wrote, was reading like a really early draft for a blurb and she caught this like timeline issue that I was like, Oh my gosh, stop the presses. <laughs> and it's so funny. Cause you think like how many people have read this book and how many times have I read it? Like at least 50 and you know, never caught it. So, um, but I think more than that, like we're just such a good support system for each other. Yeah. I mean, I know the ladies are a really good support system for me. And like, um, they're, they're just in this job. They're not a lot of people that you can like, kind of whine or vent about something like very specific and anyone really understands what you're saying. And, um, I could say something like very specific and they know exactly what I mean. And, yeah. um, that in and of itself is really great. And we ask each other a lot of questions, like little things, like, what do you think about this? Or would you have a character do this or this? Or, um, what do you think about this name or this title? Or so, you know, they've all been very involved in um, the writing process, but so far I've saved them 
the torture of being beta readers. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would not be torture. It would be a pleasure. Come on. <laughs> How about you, Kristen? Um, yeah, you know, it, it's funny. Um, I, I, writing is such a lonely profession, I think, by nature. It's something you do alone, which I, which um, is something that I am so interested to dig in tonight with our guests because they all do it together and we, in yeah. a way, do it together too. Yeah. Um, and I will tell you, I think it's very interesting that even when we're not involved in the very beginning stages of each other's books, I mean, we talk about things, but we don't necessarily talk about specifics or character names or, you know, minor plot points at the beginning. I think as we have grown closer as people, um, we have found overlap in the books that we're writing, but they yeah. overlap in places that we haven't talked about. So it's just like a mind meld that's happening or something. I don't know. So, so yes, we are doing some of that, like actual purposeful collaborating in terms of asking each other questions. And, you know, it, Patty was you, Patty, you were one of the first readers of my 2023 book, um, you know, cause you and I are writing in the, and I love it so much. Let me say this. I feel the same about yours. Um, but there were several points of overlap, overlap, even in our books, like not at all really the same, but enough points in common that like we were riding the same creative wave at the same yep. time, you know? <laughs> and I think, um, and, and the, the nodal points were like the bookshop or, you know, things like that. But, you know, Angie, you're asking if we edit or read and, and it's not as much about editing and reading, even though we have done some beta reading and Mary Kay, remember had, she had us read her prologue to the homewreckers this yeah. year because she'd never done a prologue before. So she had us read it and, and give input into that. But we definitely inspire help when we get stuck. So Angie, that is a fantastic question. So now let's welcome our first guests for the evening. Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekinen are the number one New York Times bestselling co-authors of The Wife Between Us, An Anonymous Girl, You Are Not Alone, and The Golden Couple, which was just released earlier this year. Before becoming a novelist, Greer worked as vice president and senior editor at Simon & Schuster. Her writing has appeared, and all three of us right here are publishing with Simon & Schuster. Um, her writing has appeared in the New York Times, Publishers Weekly, Allure, and several other publications. Sarah began her career as a journalist covering Capitol Hill, her debut title, The Opposite of Me, sold to Greer. Well, <laughs> Greer was it HBO, an imprint of Simon & Schuster, which also happens to be the imprint my next book comes out with. So Atria would go on to publish Sarah's subsequent novels, which were sold all around the world to international bestsellers. A pair have teamed up to write their best-selling novels, which have all been optioned for film and television. And if they weren't such wonderful people, I would hate them. So Sean, <laughs> can you bring Sarah and Greer on, please? I am so happy to see y'all. Um, I want you, we're gonna dig into writing as a pair, especially since one of you bought the other's book. I just, like as an author, I'm thinking, what editor have I ever worked with that I would write a book with? It's fascinating. <laughs> but I want you to start by telling us about The Golden Couple, which is your latest. So I have an idea. Sarah, I want you to tell us what it is about. And then Greer, I want you to tell us what it is 
really about. <laughs> that's not that's not the way we normally do this. <laughs> I know. Welcome to Friends in Fiction. I love it. Because I'm mixing it up. All right. So the Golden Couple is a story of a maverick therapist. She is so outside the box that she has actually had her license revoked. And she has a method that really works for her. And basically, this is what it is. If you're a prospective client and you walk into her office, whatever problem you bring her, it can be a childhood trauma, it can be a infidelity in your marriage, whatever it is, she will evaluate you and quickly decide if she wants to take you on. Ooh. If she does, she will promise to fix you in 10 sessions. But here's the catch. You have to do whatever. I mean, when I read her say that and because I was like, oh. <laughs> 10 sessions, right? And you've got to do whatever she says during those 10 sessions. And so the golden couple begins with the golden couple strolling in. You know, they appear to have everything. They're like that couple that we all know on social media where they look beautiful and they never have dog hair on their clothes and they're never, you know, running. I'm looking. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like me. I don't know. <laughs> um, couple, right? They're very aspirational and they stroll in and immediately the wife confesses to an infidelity, blindsided ah. And from there, it gets very twisty, turny, creepy, fun. It's awesome. That okay, is Sarah, awesome. What is it really about? Well, I, I mean, Sarah did an excellent job of our summary. Normally, because, you know, we do everything together, right? She normally tells the Avery part, and then I come in and talk, talk about the Marissa part. Um, so, I mean, I think that, that that's, that's the plot. But what it is, is a lot about what you do, what you see on the on the surface is, is not what it seems with both, you know, with all the characters involved. Um, and I think that... Um, you know, I think what it makes the reader really question is like we like getting them in on would they sign up for like a 10 session method? You know what? You put yourself in that situation. We when we've been promoting the book, we ask audiences all the time, you know, how many of you would sign up to see someone like Avery? I'm curious, ladies, how many of you would, would take that you know opportunity? Oh, I would. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, when I read that, I was like, I'm in. Like you're yeah. in, right? With yeah, someone as capable as Avery, right? It might be good. Yeah. You could, you know, you don't have to waste like ten years in therapy. So yeah, um, that's right? true. But yeah. see, I feel like I'm like the person that always picks like <laughs> truth and truth or dare, and uh, like, <laughs> you don't have to do anything I say. It's very much like a big dare. So see, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't so. know. I feel like I would be like, yeah. okay, let's do this. Bring I would on. totally do it too. And yes. just adding on to what Greer said too, I think a lot of it is about appearances and what we project to the world and what is the truth. And I think with the, you know, the explosion of social media, like that's even more so everybody looks like they're having the time of their lives. Everybody's got the perfect kids, the perfect relationship. Yes. They're having the five-star dinner. They're keep clinking glasses. And a lot of people are feeling more isolated than ever. This thing that's yes. connecting us is making us lonely. It's making us feel inadequate. Yeah. And so even every, you know, our therapist peels back the layers 
and you see this couple that you think has everything and you're going to get to know them as intimately as if you're reading their journals from their nightstands, you're listening in on their fights. So that was really fun for us to explore is awesome. a reality. I love that. And what's well, in no, I was just going to say what was interesting about the book, too, is just that the title actually came from our editor at St. Martin's. And she said, mm. I thought of this amazing title. Nobody's used it before. Here, go. We think you, you know, I think you can really do something great with it. And so, you know, as Sarah said, so we thought of this golden couple and then who who is going to get to know the golden couple. We couldn't just write a story about a golden couple. Who is the person? Is it a journalist? Is it, you know, a relative? Who is going to get to know yeah. them in that really deeply intimate way? And we love writing about therapists, you know, an anonymous girl also featured a therapist. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, okay, let's, let's create a maverick therapist who can get to know them in this 10 session methodology. Well, Greer, you actually answered the question that I was asking you. So we're having like a psychic oh. moment here. Okay. <laughs> I um, so I, I love that idea of, you know, your editor, like having this input on this story. And so yeah. I'm so interested, you know, with you being a former editor yourself, what thoughts do you yeah. have about this editor author relationship and, um, and kind of that trust level that you yeah. have with your editor to be able to say, okay, like, yes, this is a good idea. Well, you know, I did have, I, as an editor for so many years, I got to know many editors in the industry. And so when it came time for Sarah and I to, you know, when our book went out, we had a, you know, Sarah and I both had a list of editors that we had gotten to know over the years. And Jen was at the top of that list because I knew I'd been, you know, friends with her. I knew how smart she was, what a great, she's not just a great editor, but that she can come up with you know, the, uh, a title, marketing, publicity, she's just, she's like a triple threat of talent. Yeah. And so um, I trusted her from the get go. And I know a lot of people ask, what was it like to be edited? And I'm, you know, incredibly grateful to have an editor. She's, <laughs> you know, she, she, and she's a very additive editor. So she doesn't just say this isn't working. She'll give us suggestions about what could work even better. In fact, the naming of the 10 sessions she came up with those names. She's like, the 10 sessions should have names. And she rattled them off. It's like, you know, oh. confession, disruption. You know, she, and just, she's oh. a genius. That's incredible. Well, yeah. um, Sarah, since Greer acquired you and edited you in your earlier career, do you think that that's helped your partnership? Or like, do you know what she's thinking before she... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely helped because we established a strong friendship. We didn't just have the author-editor relationship. We also had our friendship. And I would go to New York and we would go out to a restaurant and talk for three hours, shut down the restaurant. We got kicked out of more than one restaurant. <laughs> we would say, like, we're going to take off our professional hat. We're going to put on our friend's hat. And like, what's really going on, right? Like, let's dispense with all the, again, the theme of our book, the superficial, like, what, what are you struggling with? What are you happy about? What are you excited about? What are you in pain about? And we would talk about everything, kids, families, parents, you know, dreams. And so um, that I think was really the basis of starting our writing partnership, because, you know, when Greer um, came to me and said, I'm, I want to leave Simon Schuster, I 
feel like I really want to write and I'm not telling anybody, I'm telling my husband, I'm telling you and you know, maybe one or two other people, but that's it. You know, that was kind of the launching pad for us to write yeah. together. And without our friendship, it wouldn't have happened. That's so cool. I love that. I love that. Which one of you was the one, did one or the other yeah. of you say, I want to write together? Sarah did. I said to her, Sarah said, I confessed to her because like, she said we had this deep friendship and I really was not telling people I wanted to write because it's a very, I mean, you guys all know it's scary, right? Was, you know, could I do it? Would I be able to do it? And I said to Sarah, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking of writing and I actually bounced an idea around to her and she's like, why don't we write a book together? It wasn't that we didn't use the idea that I suggested, but she's sort of, in, she's very instinctive and intuitive. And I was like, she's written, she can write by herself. She's done all these amazing books alone. Why does she want to do this? She just said, I have an instinct that we can do something really great together. And I called her back 12 hours later. I was like, I'm in. I mean, like, you know, as you said in my intro, I've edited hundreds of books. I've written a couple of articles, but I've never written a book. I had no idea. So I was like, this is going to be a masterclass in learning how to write. Yeah. I mean, it was really, I mean, I feel like we were both reaching out to the other. Like Greer called me, you know, yeah. gave me confided in the secret and then said, you know, if I get together some pages, would you read them? You know, can I bounce ideas off you? I'm like, totally, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll switch rules in that way. And then I was like, well, let's get out of the middle, man. Let's just write together. Like, let's do something new and do it. And it was, again, like Greer said, it was super instinctual. I occasionally have like very gut-driven responses. I don't know if you guys are more analytical or more gut-driven, but when I have the gut that tells me this is it, I have to go for it. And it usually, I'm almost always when it's that strong, it steers me right. And I'm like, we will have so much fun together. And we have. That is awesome. And not just fun, but success. I mean, you've been, you've been so successful with, with these books, which is fantastic. All right. So you mentioned that at the very start of the book, Marissa, the wife, um, has been unfaithful to Matthew, her husband. And she feels so guilty about straying that she insists on confessing to her husband during their first therapy session. Sarah, was it difficult to make Marissa a sympathetic character given that betrayal? Um, no, because I think everybody in the world is complicated. And I think yeah. none of our characters are, you know, completely, you know, black, white, all shades of gray. Like they, everybody has things that inform their actions, even if their actions aren't sympathetic. Once we understand them and what's driving that, we may not admire what they're doing. Like we may not have done it ourselves, but when there is understanding, then you connect with the characters. And so we really wanted you to get to know Marissa and what drove her to that moment. Oh, I like that. Well, knowing her backstory and what prodded yeah. her to do it is different yeah. than someone just throwing it on the table. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, blowing up the blowing up the room, so to speak. So Greer, <laughs> I know yeah. that you have had a long time interest in psychology to the mm -hmm. point that you yeah. said you'd be a therapist mm. if you weren't a writer. <laughs> Yeah. I say that all the time. Um, uh -huh. I always say that as writers, we are all pretend psychoanalysts, uh -huh. right? We're teasing apart yep. the character yep. motive and backstory. So could you talk about the process of creating yep. Avery, the unconventional therapist? 
Yeah, I, I mean, and just to echo what Sarah was saying too, just about all of our characters, we have to dig in and, you know, in any of our, the you know, the villains, the, you know, our, the, the, the reader always has to understand where they're coming from. So if you look at any of our characters, we feel a little bit of sympathy for all of them because something traumatic has happened to them. And I guess that is where, um, you know, the background in psychology or the interest in psychology, because Sarah's also very interested in psychology. We both listen to psychology podcasts and subscribe to psychology <laughs> today. Sarah was in a psychology experiment once. So we're both, ah, we're both more really, so we're both really, you know, curious about the human mind. And that is, you know, it, for us, um, our books often start with the characters and who they are. And even if something doesn't make it on the page, like, you know, that they wake up and, you know, weigh themselves every day and they eat seven almonds and, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever that is, you know, those weird specifics, we know those, you know, all of those mm -hmm. details about our character. And what's interesting to when, when you asked about Marissa being sympathetic, I've um, heard a lot of people who didn't find Avery sympathetic to begin with. And that's something mm -hmm. we had to, really layer in to give her more heart so that the reader understood where where she was coming from so for both of our characters we had to really think about what you know what what happened to them in their past what made them what's driving them did you interview therapists when you were when you were um well my mother was a therapist for many years and sarah's oh. sister-in-law is also oh, a therapist. Wow. so we both yeah so we spoke to we spoke to to both of them. But the, the, the great freedom with Avery is because she lost her license. It freed us, you know, it freed us up to make her not a traditional therapist. So well, um, right. The the <laughs> genius actually. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because really you know, you're not gonna get those emails. Well, yeah. they wouldn't actually be able to do that. Yes, it's the old adage: you have to know the rules to break the rules, right? Yeah. right. Exactly. That's exactly exactly exactly. Oh, that's fascinating. Well, um, I feel like the whole this whole segment has really been kind of a writing tip. But um, selfishly, we love getting writing tips from our friends who come on the show. Um, so, would you guys mind giving us a writing tip? Either one of you. Sure. I mean, I Go ahead. I have this theory that writing is a foreign language and the translation mm -hmm. of thought to paper yeah. is something that you have to learn by immersion. So I, um, rather than one specific tip, I could give like a million little tips that we probably all do, but I would say immerse yourself in this new country, in this language. When you're cooking, put on a podcast about writing, take master classes, read novels, deconstruct them, you know, with index cards to, to take it down, like the architecture down to the studs and see how the novelist put it together. Think about writing, like just do as much as you can when you're not actually writing so that the landscape becomes more comfortable for you. Amazing. We've never had that tip before in 126 episodes. That's, yeah. That's, That's really great. One. Yeah. That, and, and I feel like mine is like, well, mine is so basic and dumb. And you obviously, since you no. all have written so many books, have <laughs> have done this. But for me, it's just like getting your butt in the chair mm -hmm. and sitting down to write, you know, to do that every day. And like, you can't edit a blank page. So just putting yourself in there um, and creating that kind of structure, you know, having a, a writing partner creates that accountability. But for people who don't have that, 
they have to figure something else out. So whether it's just, you know, telling someone else that they're going to, you know, write a thousand words a day or whatever it is, but that, you know, that, that would be my, that's my very basic for the, for the novice writer, sit down, you just have to do it. Oh, it's not just basic. Yeah. We have to tell ourselves that every day, yeah. right? I mean, it's, it's uh, whenever we get lost, it's back to the yeah. basics and the basics yeah. are button chair. Button yeah. Chair. It's fundamental. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Y'all it's so much fun talking to you. I have a lot of other you guys questions. Are- but okay. <laughs> thank you. We'll have to come back. We'll have to come back. Yes, absolutely. And I love hearing that you guys are all writing the same elements. Like, you know, yeah. you have your own books, but there are similar elements in it because that happens all the time. I have so many questions. <laughs> and names too. Christy used a name and then didn't use right. it because Mary Kay used it, picked another one, and Mary Kay used that one. She's like, forget it. <laughs> I was like, I can't change it again. Like, this is so weird. <laughs> There's like yeah, something yeah. in the air where a lot of us get yeah. like a similar idea, theme, whatever it is, and we yeah. it's crazy. It's that young man, you know, universal unconscious flow, and we're yes. all tapping into that same river under the river. And we sometimes come up with some of the same things. So, but y'all are amazing. Thank you for coming and spending time. Thank you. It's so good to see you too. We'll see you soon. You soon. Have a great night. Bye. All right. Next up, we are, weren't they great? I, I just, I adore the Oh my gosh. I, yes. Like, no, I yeah. want to talk. To, I mean, I have like, I could ask them a million more questions, but another time. Well, I, I know that honestly, um, you know, I first met them, um, we had a, uh, a an event together in Indianapolis, and we get to go to this great dinner together. And they're just as warm and lovely in person as you would as, as you saw them here tonight. I mean, they're just wonderful people. So, all right, and, and I'm so sorry, Kathy. Uh, Mary Kay had to miss it because I know she likes them quite a she bit. She loved too. them. She spent the some time with them. Yeah, exactly. All right. So next up, we are thrilled to welcome Allison Hammer and Brady Godfrey, two writers who have teamed up to write under the combined pen name Allie Brady. Now, you all out there have met Allison before. She's the author of You and Me and Us and Little Pieces of Me. And I have actually known her, I believe, since our college days at the University of Florida. And I'm not going to tell you how long ago that was because <laughs> it's longer than I would like to believe. Um, and shorter than mine. So we're good. <laughs> your, five year, your five-year reunion is coming up, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're almost in our mid-20s. Yeah, right. Um, she's one of the most supportive writers I know. And I am thrilled to see her launching this new branch of her career. So Allison lives in Chicago and works as a VP creative director at an advertising agency. Now, Allison first mentioned Brady to me years ago, and I know they've basically become writing BFFs since then. And I think they even call each other that on their um, their websites, which I love because we're kind of writing BFFs too. Um, and as we know at Friends in Fiction, writing BFFs are a wonderful thing to have. So Brady is the author of the upcoming psychological thriller, Imposter. She lives in Utah with her family and in her spare time, she works as a physician. That was a joke about spare time. <laughs> she clearly doesn't have any, but that's amazing. She works as a physician. So The Beach Trap is their first book together, and it is set to hit stores in just a few days on June 14th. Sean, can you bring Allison and Brady in? Hi. Hi. I, I think it's been like seven years since college, Kristen, not five. <laughs> oh, seven, right, because we're just about to turn 30. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I didn't want to age you guys too much. So, <laughs> my gosh, I wish I wish it had been seven years since college. <laughs> Although we've grown, we've grown. I was going to say, I don't. I don't. Yes, yeah, yeah, that is true. That is true. Okay. Allison and Brady, can you ladies, I think we're going to do the same thing we did with um, Greer and Sarah. Allison, can you tell us what the beach trap is about? And then Brady, we're going to ask you to tell us what the beach trap is really about. <laughs> so Allison, you want to start? I'm so happy you picked me to do the easier part of this. <laughs> I messaged Brady. I'm like, if they ask this, you take the harder one because she's much harder than I am. <laughs> so um, the beach trap is a twist on the parent trap. Um, only in our book, instead of the sisters trying to bring the parents back together, it is the parents trying to bring the sisters back together. So the book opens um, with Kat and Blake, our sisters, they're, they're, they meet at camp and they became, they become instant best friends and find out toward the end of that summer that they have the same father. So they're half sisters. The discovery does not go well. It's slightly traumatic. And so they don't speak to each other for 15 years until their father passes away and leaves them this rundown beach house in Destin, Florida. And both girls have a very different relationship with their father and a very different relationship with the house. They're instantly at odds. Kat, you know, grew up at the house and wanted to, wants to keep it. Blake um, needs money to help support her grandfather. So she wants to sell it. So instantly they're at odds and they spend the summer, um, you know, repairing their house and their relationship. There's a cute dog, a cute kid, and both <laughs> sisters have a love interest. So there's plenty of, of, of steam and swoon also. Steam and swoon. I love it. Oh my gosh, that's so great. All right. That was a fantastic description. Brady, can you tell us what the beach trap is really about at its core? Yes. So the story is really about the sisters. It's the two sisters relationship. Um, they, they had this really instant connection when they were 12 years old. And we tried to capture that magic of summer camp and how you can become best friends with a girl that you hardly know within such a short time. And then to have it be totally ruptured when they find out they share a dad. And, <laughs> and one of them is, you know, the dirty little secret. Um, and so they have to repair this and they each have to confront very different, different wounds from their dad. They each knew him as a different person. They're each grieving him in different ways and they have to come to terms with that. There's some blame on either side toward each other. And so as they're fixing up the house, you know, of course it's sort of symbolic of them fixing up this relationship and coming to terms with each other, learning how to be a family um, and really confronting their wounds and learning how to move on and move on together. I told I you it. she was smarter than me. <laughs> no, stop. Stop. That was excellent. Allison. <laughs> okay, since we're really digging in tonight on author pairs, we'd love to ask you exactly, I'm dying to know this, how you met and how you decided to collaborate on a book when we were just talking <clears throat> to Greer and Sarah. I'm thinking how nerve wracking it would be to the, be the first one to say, like asking a girl out. Do you want to write together? Because what if you say no, right? Like then your friendship is weird because you yeah. said no. Like, so Brady, do you mind telling us the story? Sure. So we met online in a writing group, the Women's Fiction Writers Association. And I think it was in a, I mean, we just sort of got to know each other. Everybody knows Allison. Allison is incredibly outgoing and gregarious and kind to every And supportive. And, yes. 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 I mean, everybody yes. knows Allison. Um, in every group that she's in. And so, I mean, really, I just was like, thought that she was sort of like a celebrity in this group. And then we were in a, um, 
in like, it was like a workshop, writing workshop or something where we had to read each other's pages, you know? And so we kind of read each other's stuff. I loved her writing. She loved my writing. I can't remember who, who reached out first, but one of us said, Hey, do you want to swap pages? We were both querying, trying to find agents at the time. And so can we swap pages and, and critique? And we just loved critiquing and reading each other's work. And you know how important that is to be able to just jive in how you write and how you critique as well, because that's so important, right? And so we just kept doing it. We just kept swapping pages and we became critique partners essentially. So like we formalized it and we were like, I'm your only one, you're my only one. Like, <laughs> we don't show your pages <laughs> to anyone else. We're exclusive. We're exclusive, yeah. So we kept doing that um, for a long time. And, you know, each of us have separate writing paths. And then it was the spring of 2020 um, when everybody was just locked down, right? We were all just home. I have kids. I was like homeschooling and Allison was working from home. And we just, we were sharing book ideas one day. We chat all day long, um, all day long. And we were just sharing book ideas. And she had an idea and I had an idea. And and we were like, these actually go together really well. And so we started writing this book and that book did not, did not end up getting published, but it led us to writing The Beach Trap, which an editor loved the idea and said, please send me a proposal for this. And we did, and she bought it. So, so in, in hearing Greer and Sarah talk was so interesting because we were, Brady and I, I feel like we're intertwined in each other's writings similarly in a different way, not as editor and author, but there's a there's a line in um, in my second book, Little Pieces of Me, that reviewers always call out that they love that line. And Brady wrote it. So like we're all like we both edit that. each other's work so much. So I think that it was a natural transition because we are we were so involved in each other's writing process. So going from critique partners to co-authors, I mean, it's really been really seamless. So who's the first person who said, let's write a book together? I don't remember. It was you. I had an idea. And again, we talk all the time. And I said, I have this idea. Is it crazy? And Brady said, not only is it not crazy, it fits together with an idea I had. What if we do this together? And I was like, I was very flattered. Like, I was <laughs> like, you'd want to write a book with me? <laughs> oh, that's oh. so sweet. I, love that was, that. I always wonder that, you know, there's there has to be a moment where somebody says, Let's try this together. Yeah. Okay, Allison, although I'm, although Patty, it's funny you say that because I think every time we talk about how friends and fiction got started, we don't have a clear idea of who said what or how it actually I got know. off the ground. Like it just it felt like groupthink from the yeah. first moment because we fit so well together. And mm -hmm. like, and I think none of us, and I bet you it's the same with Ali and uh, Allison and Brady. I like I don't think we think of ideas as oh, well. That was my idea. That was your idea. It was just yep. it was our idea, and it worked. And like how great, right? Except when I'm, except when I'm extremely clear on is that we all wanted to write an anthology, and one of us. <laughs> not present on the screen, did mm. not think that was a good idea. <laughs> that is true. For those of you who She'll don't know, Mary Kay is really big with the, just, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she, she shuts us down. Like, nope. Like, nope. Also, also yeah. I know, speaking of Mary Kay, I know some of you out there missed the beginning of the show tonight because we had a little bit of Facebook um, trouble in the beginning. Uh, if that's the case and you're wondering where Mary Kay is, um, she has a, a, a minor case of COVID. So she's not with us tonight, but she's fine. She'll be back next week. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> We're sending her all good yep. healing yep. love. All right, Allison, I know you are the founder of Every Damn Day Writers. So yes. great. 
a support group for women's writers. So you're no stranger to working with other authors. Can you talk to us a bit about exactly why you started Every Damn Day? Yeah, we, so um, Brady and I and was in this group also. There was a group of us from Women's Fiction Writers Association who were all doing NaNoWriMo together, which is National Novels Writers, National Novel Writing Month. Um, which is an international program where writers all around the world write 50,000 words in the month of November. And a group of us were doing it together. And I'm a nerd with all these just different like Facebook graphics. And I was doing a daily post. We created a little support group. And every day I would post and everyone would check in about their progress and how well they were doing, what their challenges were. And it was a really great support community. And on December 1st, when it was over, we were like, we don't want to stop. And so that group is still in existence. It's about 20 writers and we're all very, very close. And there was a point where we were like, you know, let's make that broader. Let's like, this is such a magic, th magical thing we've created. Let's invite others in. We wanted to keep our group like, um, you know, separate because we've got this great, you know, this really tight friendship. Um, but we're up to, I think, over 750 women writers in Every Damn Day Writers. And we've got awesome. seven different moderators. And every day um, we share a post um, to check in on Wednesdays. We share lines of what we're working on. Mondays we share goals. And it's really just, you know, writing like Kristen, you said, writing can be such a solitary sport, but it's not like yeah. there's such a community if you if you get out there. And so um, really, we just wanted to create a community. So not you're just creating a community with the two of you, but you've taken it wider. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how you actually co-write a book? <laughs> like, what is your process for doing that? Do you divide the characters, the pages, the chapters? Mm -hmm. Talk yeah. to us about that. So we plot extensively. You have to plot extensively when, when you write with someone else. So detail. Okay, that makes our sense. Editor, we, we gave her like a hundred page outline, right? It was ridiculous. She was like, this is the longest proposal I've ever read. And <laughs> got it. So, <laughs> but, um, and then we, in, in the beach trap, there's two main characters. They each alternate chapters. So we each took the lead on writing one character, but then so every, usually every week we write one chapter and then we swap it. The next week we critique each other's and edit each other. So there is, even though one okay. of us drafting, the other one's editing. And we just keep going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth as we revise, revise, revise. And sometimes someone will say, this doesn't sound like this character's voice to me. And they'll make a suggestion. And we just keep going and going and going. The goal is for it to just sound like it was written by one person. We, um, we, we've said it a couple times. I like it being a little secret. I love, there's nothing I love more than getting texts from people who know me. Who's like, that are like, did you write cat? Wait, you wrote Blake, you wrote cat. And <laughs> some friends have said they've seen friends of mine have said that they've seen pieces of me in both characters. And Brady has friends who have seen the same, who've said the same that they've That's seen pieces of her. And so it's really great because we edit each other so much and we edit um, the chapters. So it really is co-written in every sense of the word. That's awesome. So you're not going to tell us who's who. We can tell if people want to know. I think it's fun to like, I love the mystery of it. We're good with that. 
Um, well, Allison, like Kristen mentioned, we've had you on the show before to talk about your books, You and Me and Us and Little Pieces of Me, which are very emotional women's fiction stories about family and loss. Our friend Colleen Oakley describes Little Pieces of Me as a gorgeous, heartbreaking, yet hopeful story. And Brady, you have a debut novel coming out in September called Imposter, which is a psychological thriller that Mary Kubica describes as spine-chillingly, jaw-droppingly good. Oh, no. So for both of you, the beach travel <laughs> So can you talk about what made the two of you decide to write a book in a completely different genre? Um, so maybe, Brady, if you would take that part, what made you decide to write in a different genre? And then, Allison, were there challenges in that shift for you guys? Yeah, so I'm a huge reader. I love reading. And the two genres that I read the most of are probably you know, women's fiction, especially romantic women's fiction, um, where there's a combination of sort of like family dynamics and love, that type of thing. And I like thrillers. So I get my thriller fix with what I'm writing on my own. But there really has been a part of me that just I want to write about like sisters and their relationship with their mom and love stories and all of that. And so honestly, to me, it, it's like two sides of my brain. And I just really like it. It just sort of like scratches the itch um, on both sides. And so it's perfect. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. And her, her thriller imposter is so good. And there's also sisters in it. So like, I think that there are, you know, I think at the core, there are similarities of, of the stories and of, you know, like the, her writing that comes through. For me, I don't think it was as much of a departure for me because I do write, you know, my kind of tagline for myself, um, my solo books is stories about family, friendship, loss and love. And all those things are here. But with The Beach Trap, it's a little bit different, um, you know, also just because from writing with Brady, she brings her, her um, you know, creativity to it. It's definitely more romantic. In my books, it's closed door. And Brady will deny this, but we were not going to do open door in this book. But she wrote the sex scene for her character first. And I was like, well, I can't. You just gave it away. Okay. Oh, no, you did. Open okay. door. It's open door steam. And Brady is so good at the steam. She can make, I always say she can make like sitting on the couch watching TV like super sexy. Um, so since she did it, I had to go there. So I think that that's probably the biggest difference between Allison Hammer books and Allison and Allie Brady um, is the is the steam. We, you know, we talk a lot about where it fits in genre wise. And, you know, it's not a romance, it's not women's fiction, but if you're a romance reader, there are two romances for the price of one. So yeah. there's a little bit of everything in it. That is awesome. All right. So um so ladies, a lot of our viewers are aspiring writers, and, and I know both of you um, have done so much to reach out to other writers, to lift them up, to, you know, to build this community as we were talking about earlier. Um, but you both, as we mentioned in the introduction, are also juggling full-time careers, and they're busy full-time, I mean, they're busy careers, right? Like, it, it, you're not, they're busy careers that require your brain and require lots of time and all of that. Yet you have not only written these solo books, but you found time to collaborate on this book. Can you talk a little bit about how you each carve writing time out of such a busy life? Um, Allison, do you want to start? Well, I'm not at the moment. I mean, I think that it's really hard. And I was I was having some conversations. My debut, You and Me and Us, is a lot about that work-life balance. And so I was having a lot of conversations around that time with other people who work in advertising, other women who work in advertising and balance. You know, I don't have kids. I tease. I don't have kids, pets, or plants. So writing <laughs> is like that that other thing in my life. Um, but I think that, like, the idea of balance doesn't exist. 
Um, yeah. I think that, you know, someone pointed this out that it's almost like a seesaw, like sometimes like writing needs to be more and sometimes work needs to be more. Ooh. What the problem is, sometimes they both need to be more like right now. I've had a really busy um, month at work and then we're getting ready to turn in our second book. So they're when they're both really busy, um, you know, but part of ha the great thing about having a partnership is Brady has been amazing this month and really picked up my slack when I have not been able to do some things. And so there's a level of wanting to be accountable for each other, but also helping each other because you have that same goal. Um, so easier said than done. In general, when things are normal, um, I write in the evenings and the weekends, um, but balance is not always possible. <laughs> That, well, hey, I, I hear you. I think we're all that way. Life is busy. How about how about you, Brady? You know, I think one of the things that Allison and I have in common, we have many things in common, but one is that we are both, we're pretty high intensity people and we like <laughs> to jam our lives full of things. I mean, really, I just, I don't like having spare time to think about anything. I don't want to have any spare brain space. I want it all packed with, with family, my kids, work. Um, I and so I, I'm similar to Allison. I, I often will write in the evenings, like when it's you know bedtime for the kids, I just head up to my to my office and just write. Um, for a long time, I worked part time. And so, you know, then on the days I didn't work, I would write when my kids napped, um, you know, like a lot of moms. Um, right now I'm full time. I might go back to part time again in the future. I don't know. But I think it's really just the thing that's nice about writing is you can do a lot of preparatory stuff in your mind as you're like driving around. I mean, I do a lot of thinking and you're taking a shower. I'll, I'll send Allison texts and say, I have shower thoughts. And tell <laughs> it. So you can do a lot of thinking. And then when you get ready to sit down and write, it can, it can pour out, which is nice. And you That's were awesome. really close, but you don't text me in the shower. You text me after, <laughs> after you get out of the shower. We're not an important distinction, yet. especially for your phone. Really. Yeah. <laughs> but we're getting ready to go out on a two-week book tour, so you never know by the end of it. I, I, <laughs> I know, right? Said, there you go. <laughs> I love you said we're not that close yet. Like, yes. the, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, quickly before you go, Allison, we have a question from a viewer saying, um, Lisa Morgan-Cast <laughs> saying, uh, if aspiring women writers-to-be can join every damn day. Absolutely. It is open to any writer who identifies as a woman. Um, and I'll post the link to the group in the comments. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, ladies. It was so nice to have you with us tonight. Um, it's a You're fantastic amazing. book. We love that it comes from your own friendship. And we just appreciate that you were here. So The Beach Trap, we hope everyone buys it next week. Thank you thank for you. having us. Thank Thanks, you ladies. so much. Bye, ladies. Thank Good you night, for joining ladies. us. Okay, we know a lot of you have been waiting on the edge of your seat for these next two authors. Of course, Mary Alice Monroe was one of the five founding authors of Friends of Fiction back in 2020. Um, and she has been busy writing both on her own and with her writing partner, Angela May. Mary Alice and Angela have been working together for more than a decade now. Angela began as Mary Alice's assistant, but now they write together, which is just an amazing thing to see. So last summer's The Islanders, a middle grade novel, was their first book together. And Mary Alice, of course, is the New York Times bestselling author of 27 books, including The Summer of Lost and Found, which was an instant New York Times bestseller in 2021. She's earned numerous accolades and awards, including induction into the South Carolina Academy of Authors Hall of Fame. And as you all know, Mary Alice is an active conservationist and is proud to be a 20-year-plus state-certified volunteer with the Island Turtle Team. Angela is a former award-winning television news journalist and the founder of May Media and PR. She and her husband live with their two children in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. And Mary Alice and Angela's new novel for middle grade readers, Search for Treasure, um, which is a sequel to The Islanders, is set to be released on June 14th. So, Sean, can you bring Mary Alice and Angela on? 
Hi. 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 It's so nice to be back. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> We're so glad that you're here. This is such a treat to see Thank you. Um, so, okay, ladies, I know you've been listening backstage, so you might yes. be anticipating this question. Um, but can you start out, Angela, can you tell us what the search for treasure, what search for treasure is about? And Mary Alice, can you tell us what it's really about? Okay. I'm well, glad this is the order. <laughs> yeah. We knew. We knew. So it starts off with, it's going to be the best summer ever, right? Jake is returning to the island where his grandmother lives off the coast of South Carolina. He's ready to reunite with his best friends. He's had a really tough year at home, adjusting to a new normal with his family after his father's injury. And as soon as he gets to the island and reunites with everyone, he sees the news that somebody, an older resident named Scary Harry, has discovered a gold coin, a gold doubloon. And he's like, I want to find treasure. There's buried treasure on the island. So Operation Treasure Hunt begins. And it is a summer of wild adventures. <laughs> a gold doubloon, awesome. just like yeah. in the bottom of the shipwreck. Well, y'all from the South, you know that every child in the Southeast who knows about Blackbeard's treasure and they know it's there somewhere. So we all, every, every child's looking for that gold somewhere. <laughs> so Mary Alice, what's it really about? I think it's all in the title, Search for Treasure. These kids, it's middle grade, and these are tough years for kids. You know, they, they, what other people think about them is so important. And in, one of the things I love about middle grade is that you still have really tough issues. So you have the the father-son relationship. You know, he's what's the new normal with a prosthetic, being embarrassed about that, you know, his dad. Um, you have the relationship with a, a boy and his family. He's nudged out by the new baby and a little girl nervous about her dad in prison. So you have all these. And, of course, the budding aging, they're 12 now. So lovey likes the boy just a little bit. We're just nudging into that kind of relationship. <laughs> so they have all these adventures and there's a sense of other, but at the end, ultimately, it's finding that they really are the best friends, the treasures themselves and finding in their family what matters. Yeah. And I think that's so important at this age, what matters because everything's so superficial. Everything, you know, I know my grandkids are in TikTok and that's <laughs> just a whole world that I don't understand, but it's all superficial yeah. so we're trying to bring them back to what's real oh, that's, yeah, that's awesome and big l i think the story is really about big l alligator yeah that that is the number one question we get asked when we go and speak to students at schools mary alice it's true what is he real and oh, how big yeah. is big l he's 17 long that's big <laughs> oh that's <laughs> awesome <laughs> All right, ladies, as Christy mentioned in the intro, and as we, of course, know, you two have worked together for years, right? I mean, so and you were you were working together in other ways before you were writing together. So I'm wondering, first of all, whose idea was it initially to write together? Mine. <laughs> yeah? I Tell was us asked, about how that came about. It, yeah, it was, um, 
I always knew in the back of my mind, I wanted to write from this age group, but you know, we've got our novels every year. You know how that is girls. So it wasn't until I was asked to write um, a lead series and would I do it? And I said instantly, yes, but I knew it was a big job. It was new for me and I'd never collaborated with an author before. And I had been working with Angela for 10 years. And, you know, when you work with someone that long and she does a lot of not writing of my novels, but has done writing. She's a journalist. She has that background. And I just wondered, you know, we, we like the same things. We we work well together. And I just said, Angela, do you ever think you'd be interested in writing a middle grade book? And then Angela said, what? (laughs) (laughs) so that was one of the easiest yeses in my life it came totally out of left field I had you know and I know I've said this to you before Mary Alice that I had always quietly wanted to be a writer and I had been a writer just using words in a different way right through Mm. my career as a journalist and a media specialist so when this opportunity came about, I was blown away and and she had spoken out loud the thing that I had only quietly said to my husband once before, like, if I could do anything in the world and money didn't matter, I'd write children's books. And the funny thing is, is I feel like, at least for me personally and my faith that like, you know, you might have your own ideas of what you think the good Lord wants you to do, but then he shows <laughs> you something totally different. And I never thought middle grade. I thought picture books. And I love yeah. writing for middle grade with you, Mary Alice. It's so I know. much and fun. I, what I love about this whole thing is that even though we're working together, the serendipity of I didn't know if she wanted to do it. And it just happened. And that's, when that happens, that's serendipity at its best. Yeah, that's true. And what if she would have gone, Shiff. Well, I did then. <laughs> I'd probably still writing draft one. <laughs> I know, right? right. <laughs> All right. When Mary Alice, I know when you began writing Search for Treasure, it part of it grew from your great love of Dewey's Island and yeah. your island on Isle of Palms and, and the beach and the belief that kids need. We talk about this a lot with mm. our grandkids, too. They need to be reunited with nature in this tech-filled world. Mm -hmm. Did you go into the process knowing this would be a series, or was that something that evolved as the process went on? It was designed as a series. In fact, it's one of the reasons I chose the publisher I did is because it it was never, in my mind, a one book. And so I knew um, that whole idea of what we, I did for adults, you know, bringing nature in through stories, I wanted to do for kids because this is their world coming. This is, you know, I, I have a lot to say, and so does Angela to this new generation. And they're so great. This is a can-do. They believe they can change the world. Yeah. I just love this age. When we started, though, it was with the idea that this was one book, an entity unto itself. We knew we were going to have a series, especially with the father's injury. You know, he he was sick. He lost his leg in the Islanders. In book two, we knew we would deal with how our father and son worked that relationship out. But we really, it wasn't in the in our mind when we wrote book one, right, Angela? We have to do one book at a time. So each and then let so you just kind of let the story. Grow from the story you already wrote. You didn't plan out this series. You said, now that this has happened, is that not more how it went? Yeah. A little bit, though. A little bit. You know, it's I like, mean, I, go ahead. 
Well, I was going to say, don't you think that as we took all of those scenes from book one and y'all probably experienced this too, you you stuff your storyline full and you realize, (laughs) okay, things have to go on the cutting room floor, right? And so you just say, oh, we're saving a little bit of that for the next book. So as you're working on book one, it's almost like at least little parts are bubbling and sprouting for book two in your mind. And and it was nice that you know, book one lays the tracks for you. Right. And so now you just have to piece your train together to follow that right path. And so, I mean, it's not to say book two is totally easy, but it's nice to have parameters, right? Well, you have your characters, you have your setting, Mm -hmm. you have your people. Angela, can you say anything about the next book? Because you're going to keep going, right? (sighs) Yeah. I mean, you're talking about search for treasure and then the third one. Yes. That's what, okay. Yes. So, we are so excited to say that the story will continue into a book three. Oh, um, so great. Yes. So the the details that we can say right now, at least this is how I would summarize it. I'm curious to see how you would, Mary Alice. What's your elevator pitch? I would say <laughs> an ordinary, quick little outing out on the water turns into a emergency situation that forces Ooh. three friends to rely on their wits and their strength and each other to survive. And that's really nice about watching these kids grow up. You know, they're, they started at 11 and now they're 12 and they're going Mm -hmm. to be 12 in the next book too. And this is a big question you don't have. Like when I wrote the beach house series, you know, that was 20 years and Kara went from 40 to 60. And yet in middle grade, I don't know, we haven't decided yet. Are they going to be 12 years old forever? Or, you know, lost in the woods. <laughs> or do we let them grow up? And it's really cute because when you ask the kids in the audience, that age group says, oh, let them grow up because they want to stay with them. But then that gets into YA. So I don't know. I honestly don't know what I'm going to do, what we're going to do. It's 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 a question to be answered in the future. Well, young kids come up under them. I mean. Well, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. That's true. Um, okay, so before I ask this, this question, um, so Angela, you know, obviously you've been co-writing with Mary Alice and that has been extremely successful. You guys have written these amazing books and they've been so, so successful. Um, are you considering branching out and writing on your own? I would love to continue to stay um, in this world of writing. Um, I feel like this is such a wonderful opportunity and I've learned so much. So, yes, I am also quietly working on something just my own to see what does that voice sound like, you know, and to force myself, like y'all were saying earlier in the show, to show up every single day, but in chair and force that story out onto paper. And I think that's what's really, I think that's what's cool about Angela and Mai's relationship. Um, First of all, we bring to the story different points of view from age You know, I wrote the book for my grandchildren. She wrote the book for her children. So that point of view really made the book better. But I'm I'm also an adult novelist and I'm working on my adult novels. And I am so thrilled and excited to see Angela move forward on her own. You know, this is this is sort of a, a hope for her that I'd love to see. It's a mentoring process at this point in my career as well. 
Yeah. So, um, Mary Alice, I'm going to toss this question to you too in just a second. Um, but Angela, what have you learned from this co-writing experience that you think you can, you know, bring forward into your solo writing? I have learned to book one was slow. We were feeling our, our way through all of this. And we were also writing in a way that we were, she was working on her adult fiction. I was doing my PR work still. And so it was squeezing it in book two. We had to write fast. And I think that this experience has taught me to just push hard and push fast. So, and I like that. So that's what, what I have learned. And she's also taught me so much about the art of storytelling. You know, when you're just a reader, you see books as like, oh, that was so wonderful and, and memorable. And you don't want to leave that story world. And sometimes you kind of don't understand why you loved X book, right. Over something else. But I've learned some of those elements. Mary Alice is not only a great co-author and a great friend, but a really good teacher and patient. (laughs) (laughs) How many times did you say when we were working on book one, quit writing like a journalist? (laughs) 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 And say, show not my dear. (laughs) (laughs) That's really true. There is a difference. And it was interesting to hear the different earlier writers that um, one writer, I think it was it Brady, who said that they did extensive outlining. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing we did learn as a, that's different for me. I outline anyway, but when I work with Angela, because it's two authors coming together, yeah. the outline is critical. So we spend so much time brainstorming to get everything in the whole story and then chapter one, yeah. chapter two, in a much more linear form than I would for writing for myself in a novel because I'm writing with another person and we send it back and forth. So I, th- I think listening to Brady say that too makes me realize it probably is not unusual for, for co-authors to do that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, that's, that's really interesting. Um, well guys, oh my goodness, I have had so much fun we've all had so much fun having you on the show and getting to see you. We're so excited about this book. We, I know we all just got our copies and we were so thrilled and, um, I'm going to start reading. I'm going to, I'm going to start reading mine with a little will. I was going to say, that's it, Christy. That's my hope is that people read it with their child or grandchild. Yeah. Well, I love, I love stories like this because it's hard to find things that he's interested in, but that I'm also interested in. And he's obviously old enough that he's 10. So he's reading on his own. He can read anything he wants to, but it's still nice to have that little time where we can sit down and read something together. Um, But something that we both enjoy is like really hard to find. So, um, so thank you all for providing that. That's a wonderful. I'm glad. Um, And so ladies, um, Mary Alice, we were going to see if you would maybe stick around for all time's sake. Just for one final question. Um, and Angela, we just want to say congratulations. We're so excited. And um, we will you. be cheering for you guys next week. Thank Yay. you. Thank you. It's been so much fun seeing all of you. And thanks for And I know us. both of you are on the road, some together and some separately. So we can find those on your websites, right? Oh, thanks, Patty. Yes. Right. Um, we're dividing and conquering. We are. I'm on mine yeah. and I started in Angela. So it's going to be kind of fun. We do some together. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. The aquarium launch is always the most fun. But, awesome. Yeah. Know. So we'll be together next week at the beginning yeah. of the week. And then she goes north. I go south. You're coming down here. It's going to be fun. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to be she's in going, Bluffton, that's right, Newford area. I'll get to see her. Yeah. yeah. In Bluffton. Awesome. I'm so, I'm so, I, can't I mean, I know. That's like one of the the great things I hadn't thought about about co-authoring is you can divide and conquer on a divide tour. And that's awesome. <laughs> We're missing out on on our you know, that's a question to ask the other authors. Do they go separately or do they always stay together? Yeah. It looks like they always stay together on tour. Hmm. Well, Al- Allison and Brady, of course, are writing as one person. So I can't imagine yeah. they would split. But I wonder yeah. about Sarah and, and not uh, sure. I don't yeah. know either. Yeah, this is the first time we've done it, so it'll we'll let you know how it works. Yeah, it'll be fun. <laughs> it makes sense. And Kristen, I'm going to be in Florida, but I'm not getting all the way down to where you're oh, located. So well, I'll, like, I'll look it. at your tour schedule. Oh, it's a few hours, but maybe. All right, I'll take a look. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Great to see you guys. Right. Thanks for having me Thanks, on. Thanks, Angela. Angela, you're Angela. We're such a treasure. You are. Thank you. You are. You are. Okay. Before we get to our final question for Mary Alice, just a quick reminder of our writer's block podcasts. We know we usually let Mary Kay do this part because she likes to talk about dropping, but I'm going to do it tonight. <laughs> so we always post links on links under announcements each time a new one drops. A new episode drops each Friday on the last episode that came out Um, A few days ago, Ron and Meg joined our podcast to talk to Carter Bays. He is the developer and writer of that huge TV show, How I Met Your Mother. And he has a new novel called The Mutual Friend. Y'all, it is such a fun listen. Um, Then coming out on Friday in a couple days, Ron and I talked to Liz Mikowski about her new dark reimagining of Peter Pan in her book, Darling Girl. Y'all, this conversation was so crazy fascinating because we took a really deep dive into the backstory of Peter Pan's author, J.M. Barry, and how it all started. Oh, I cannot wait to listen to that. One. I know that's up Mary Alice's alley too. Yeah, yeah. 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 my heart did a little flutter on that. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. she had Mary Alice. She had so, and I'm, I bet you already know it, but all these interesting the backstory of the author and yeah. Peter Pan was originally a minor character in a different story. That I didn't know. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yes. Interesting. Oh, I can't wow. wait to listen into that. Anyway, sorry. All right. Not to get on a tangent. No, okay. it sounds so great. And you know, Ron, Ron is doing such a good job with the podcast. So I'm so excited. Yep. It, it just keeps getting better and better. All right. Yep. So we know many of you out there have been participating in our very first Friends and Fiction Reading Challenge. So this month for June, we are encouraging you to read a book from the book clubs, such as Reese Witherspoon's book club, Jenna Bush Haker's book club, the Good Morning America book club, whatever. Um, which of course, yeah. And of course, you know, our friend Anisa Joy Armstrong, who's very active with this challenge, is also very active with Jenna Bush Haker's uh, book club. So, um, so that's a kind of great tie in with her. So if you are looking for a way keep track of those books and your other reading. We would love to recommend, as always, our beautiful reading journal at Oxford Exchange, which um, which also includes quotes from Mary Alice. So it's uh, it's like a little throwback to the founding of Friends and Fiction. So make sure to tell us all about what you're reading. We love seeing your posts on the page. 
The Friends of Fiction Official Book Club is having a blast. And if you're not there, then you are missing out. The group, which is separate from us and run by our friends Lisa Harrison and Brenda Gardner, is now more than 12,000 strong. So join them on June 20th when they will be discussing Mary Kay Andrews' new novel, The Homewreckers. And make 12,000. Sure, wow. Yeah, oh, I know. It, it, they are Fabulous. doing such an amazing job. It's incredible. Oh my gosh. We're so, so happy for them and so grateful for them. So everyone out there, make sure to join us for our next episode of Friends in Fiction next Wednesday, right here at seven o'clock Eastern, where we will welcome Emily Giffen and Harlan Coben with Kate Quinn on the after show. If you're ever wondering about our schedule, it's always on the Friends in Fiction website and on the header graphic on our Facebook page. And I think we're going to do the cover reveal for Summer of Songbirds. Too. <gasps> oh, are we really? I think, oh, fun. I'm so excited. I think, I think we talked about that. So I hope that's yes, a cover reveal. Yes, Everyone loves cover reveals. So that's yeah. cover okay. reveals are the best night. It's a good cover. I can't wait for everybody to see it. That's going to be a really epic show. Yep. Oh my gosh, right? Yeah, it really is. It is. What's going it on? Is. Like tonight, yeah. just star packed. Star packed. Um, before we get to the last question, Marielle, somebody just sent in a comment, and I love this. I have two to read, actually. Carolyn Clement McDonough says, I'm doing the Islanders as a read aloud with my fourth grade English learners, and they are loving it. I, like you, I am planning on getting the search for treasure soon. Aww. Thank you. And there's so many teachers who are doing that. We get packets of letters, ladies, from all the kids who have written to us from the classrooms. Oh. I, I mean, uh, so satisfying. So awesome. nice. It really is. So and so Sarah sorry. Grady sent Meg a letter today that says, I plan on writing in on the show tonight, but I wanted to share a positive story regarding Ma'am's Mary Alice Monroe's middle grade book, The Islanders. She said, I wrote a grant to get one book for each of my 100 sixth grade students this year. And I had to fight like H-E double hockey sticks, <laughs> such a nerd, to get my school district administrator and department chair to allow me to read literature. Out of 100 students, most of which were reluctant readers and are reading on at least the first to second grade level, became hooked on reading literature after reading this book, Mary Alice. It inspired oh, a room full of wonderful. students to read this summer. They laughed, they cried, and we had a fantastic book club discussion at the close of each chapter. So many life lessons. Thank you for all you do, Mary Alice. Oh, Aww. thank you for reading that. That was so powerful. I mean, I just am overwhelmed. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Now a question. Now you know this <laughs> I'm like blown away. I'll try and answer. Okay. <laughs> well, you know this question because you've asked it of our guests before and it's the one we like to ask every week and they notice when we skip it and I don't think we've ever asked you what were the values around reading and writing when you were growing up because I think I remember a really great story about a journal your mom found that got you oh no <laughs> Patty you don't tell that story I think it's a great one Oh my God. Well, that's why I don't journal a lot. <laughs> Actually. Okay. I have two things. One is I come from 10 kids and my mom and dad. And so it wasn't so much that my mother and dad, they were very in much in the arts, but we kids, you know, there was no TV internet. There wasn't a lot of TV back then, internet, nothing. So we read a lot, but we also created our own shows. 
We made musicals. And my, a lot of my, some of my sisters are artists, so they would paint. Some more musicians, they'd play music. I would usually write the plays. And we put on these extravaganzas. So storytelling was always a really big part of our lives. As far as journaling, I also had very strict parents, which is why we did all the stuff inside our homes <laughs> and we didn't get out much. So there was a year when all the kids were going out and sneaking out, crawling out the windows at about 10 o'clock and meeting at the gas station. And so it was the eighth grade summer. So I, I told my girlfriend from across the street and I put um, a string on my finger. I held it. I literally slept with my hand out, hanging out the window and she never came. I was so disappointed. I made up a story in my diary of what I did and where I, who I saw. And God only knows what I said, but my mother read it in my diary. And she, and I, she, she called me out on it. And I'm like, mama, I made it up. It's all story. She, I guess I was a good writer because she <laughs> didn't, didn't believe me. And she called up the parents of all the kids I named in the diary. How do I not know I, this story? I, I, all <laughs> I was, the, oh my gosh, I was just, oh my man, gosh. I was justified. I was, I was, you know, middle school girls can get really mean. And I was, um, I, they all got in trouble. So I oh never wrote a diary again. I guess oh, not. My goodness. My mother absolutely believed it was true. That's <laughs> awesome. Oh my gosh. What a well, great what a story to end on. Thank you yes. for that. That's I do write journals. I do encourage journaling. Just just don't make stuff up. (laughs) Mom, if you're reading this, it's not true. (laughs) It's story. Uh, It's so much fun to laugh with you all again. I know. Well, thank you, Mary Alice, for coming back tonight to chat with us. We are so excited about your new release and just proud of you for this new, you know, journey that you're on and trying something new and different that's been so successful. Um, So thank you for being here. Well, y'all were with me. You all were with me when we found out the book came out in number two. And it was, I did never expected the book to be this successful. That was unbelievable. That was a a good champagne. Yeah. I was going to say, we had some good champagne with Black Kristen. I know. Kristen, was that your champagne? Oh, I wasn't there. I but I wasn't there. No, we were all about events. And I went up to the bar and I was like, I need your best bottle of champagne. Did you? Is that what happened? Uh, I just remember popping champagne. I was so stunned. You were. Good for you. You really were. You were so stunned. It was really exciting. It was a fun It was. was Well, it was so fun tonight to chat with these three incredible writing teams. And don't forget, you guys, you can find our back episodes on YouTube or rewatch this one. Um, We're live there every week, just like we are on Facebook. And if you subscribe, you won't miss a thing. So be sure to come back next week, same time, same place, as we welcome Emily Giffen and Harlan Coben and Kate Quinn and the cover for the Summer of Songbirds. And um, What a great show. What a night it's going to be. Yes. Thanks again, Mary Alice. And good night, everybody. Good night, night, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. You can join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live show airs on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Also, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here. Produced by Autovita Studios. 
Connect your voice to the world.